What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. another episode and today we are getting into something a little bit less petty than we normally talk about. So we are usually on the Modern Mommy Dog podcast really deep into mindset and into emotional attunement with our kids and social emotional health and that stuff matters so so much but I also want to keep it real on our physical health as moms, because that matters also if we are in pain or if we don't have the right type of function that we need in our physical bodies, it can be hard to be mindful. So today I am welcoming Crystal Howell from Expecting and Empowered. She is a doctor of physical therapy, and she is here today to talk all about body mechanics that can help to prevent problems for us as moms and to help us if we do have problems. Yes. I'm so excited to share this information because we use it or should be using it every single day. And nobody gives you a brand new infant or your crazy toddler. And they're like, this is how we should move to make our bodies feel well. And you guys talk a lot about emotional health. And the more that I'm in physical therapy, I can just attune to that Physical and mental health are so interrelated. It is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times when people are having like things that they're going through mentally, emotionally, it manifests as tension in the body and vice versa. So we just want to make sure that we're doing the best that we can do to keep our physical body well, um, to make this job of mothering, which is very difficult, easier. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you are on the gram and on the gram, I see you talking about physical health, but also really being a place of support and encouragement for moms. So I'm so glad to find like-minded folks like you guys to share with my world and with my audience. Um, We were just chatting before this about how my husband is a PT as well. And he just cringes when he sees me sometimes (laughs) and my body mechanics. So I'm excited to learn from you too. And I know our audience is, and I would love to hear first and foremost, like 
when you are watching mamas, I know you're not a judgmental person, but as you're just observing moms or as you see moms who come through, you know, in your practice or with expecting and empowered, what are some of the main things that you notice that moms do typically with their bodies, with mechanics that, that are big problems for them when it comes to, to their wellness? Yeah, I think what happens is when we have babies, we think that our body is automatically going to bounce back. And something that we pride ourselves at expecting and empowered is like minimizing that idea that we're just going to bounce back. Things don't just automatically bounce back. So the biggest mechanical things that you'll see a lot of times are core activation. Like core activation, when it's functioning really high and efficient, just happens without thinking. Like when you have a toddler jumping at you from behind, you don't think, well, I'm going to brace my core and then my core braces. No, your body should just do it. But there's some Mm -hmm. steps that we need to like kind of push it down the road so that it automatically activates correctly. One of the Mm -hmm. biggest things that you can do right away after baby, and this also, again, helps calm down our nervous system when there's a lot going on, but is starting with some of that breathing. Breathing can be really useful because our diaphragm, pelvic floor, abdominals, and low back muscles make up this pressure canister or our abdominal canister. And again, everything when it comes to good mechanics is kind of driven through that core. I think of it as grand central station. So either things are going bad there and there's a lot of pressure on the spine, on our organs, or things are going really nice and smooth through the station. Passengers get out and move to a different part of the body. Um, But in postpartum life, Uh, But in the clinic, we see people all the time that they've kind of missed this step. And no doubt can we go about life and just do things, right? We're busy. Mm -hmm. We have things to do. We have to get things done. We have to unload the dishwasher. We take care of the kids, whatever. So I feel like this step gets missed a lot, but then it can really lead to some pretty problematic things down the road. Okay. Got you. Okay. So breathing matters for this kind of pressure management system, like maintaining a good pressure management system? And then are there other things people can do with their everyday movements and body positions that matter as well? Totally. So often we're carrying kids. Um, This is one that I see a ton. So when you carry kids, people have the tendency to carry on one side. One side's like really their dominant side. So they want to leave that available for doing things. And they'll always only carry baby on left. But when you do that, again, going back to keeping your body automated, then you're only activating the opposite side of our obliques. So you're never balancing out your core if you're carrying baby on the other side. Also, when you're talking about baby's health and well-being, you develop their muscles on a a certain side of their neck if you're always putting them over to one shoulder or side. So it's really beneficial to mom and to baby to kind of switch sides. You're keeping their weight in the center as much as possible, especially when they're little, um, as long as it's safe, of course, knowing that you can set them down on a higher surface. So a lot of times I had my little kids in the dock attack during the day, they weren't really sleeping in it, but I'd set them on a larger ottoman that I knew wasn't going anywhere at the time. Um, and of course you have to be careful when you have other toddlers running around, but so that, that surface isn't so low. So another example would be where we choose to change diapers since there's a lot of diapers being changed in that initial period. But often we worry about like how the aesthetic of 
the nursery is. Um, but sometimes <laughs> that's not where the action's happening, right? So you're changing diapers, like kind of in the kitchen area or a counter. So sometimes making a station that makes sense in your home on a counter that has a little changing pad, that's where all everything's happening, that's up really high. The other thing that you could do to a changing area in a nursery is they have things called risers. And um, so people, especially taller moms, if you're tall, adding those risers really helps because then you're not having to bend forward. If you think about it, everything we do in life is really kind of stuck forward now that we have all this technology, our phones, our computers, our kids are always holding us. We're breastfeeding in that position, pumping in that position. So we're trying to get out of some of these like forward positions in those early days. And so those are some easy things that you can do that make it much easier. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I We absolutely had a changing station like on our kitchen counter. Um, yeah. Again, probably because of my husband. I didn't even think about it till now, <laughs> but that is probably why we did it. Um, and also for ease, but I remember grandparents coming over and being like, what is going on? Like, you can't change a baby here, you know? And so you got to get rid of that a little bit, right? Push that aside, mama. Like, you do the thing that's going to be the best for you and your family. And the other point that I was going to um, come back to is what you were saying about a baby's neck. So in my world in pediatrics, we see tons of babies with what's called torticollis. So mm -hmm. they'll have their head and it really has a pretty severe preference toward one side. And in fact, the muscle will shorten, you know, so they can't turn their head or have that range of motion as much as possible, as much as they need to. And because babies are sleeping on their backs and they're not getting as much tummy time, you know, as probably the back, you know, we see a ton of torticollis and then like flattening on the back of the head. And so having your baby switch positions helps with that as well. I always tell people, you got to have your baby's head like a little rotisserie chicken. Like you want to like brown it on all the sides, right? So totally. where it's on all the different totally. sides. And, it, and it sounds mean, but I know like with pediatrics, with torticollis, if they have a preference for one side, then you always do things or play on the other side so that they want to look towards their non-preferential side. Um, exactly. And again, like new moms would new moms want to make things easy for baby all the time. So why wouldn't you look towards the side that it's easiest, but that opposite side is where you, the action should be at to get baby to rotate their head. Yeah, totally. Okay. How about, um, how about getting kids out of a crib? Yes. Like, and I, is there something special to do here? I think there's a lot of special things. So when you start in the infant years, I think it's important to have the crib as high as you can. So sometimes too, I know the bassinets that go right next to mommy, those can be raised or lowered as well. Um, so having the height that's appropriate. So especially with C-section moms, you're not having to really bend over and load. When they're an infant, they obviously don't have great head control. So one hand behind the head, one hand behind their body, and then you're bringing them as close to you as possible. Sometimes though, if they're in the center of the mattress, you can just scoot them with your hands to the side before you actually go ahead and lift them. And then you're keeping everything as close to you as possible. 
For shorter moms, I always recommend putting a step stool underneath the crib. So it's really nice because then you can put one foot up on the step stool and it's not so much up and over. That way I can think about keeping my back straight. So if I had a rod on my back, I'm trying to hinge through the hips and keeping that back as straight as possible as I reach into the crib to grab baby. Now, as they get bigger, obviously the crib will lower down. So that becomes a little bit trickier. But guess what? These kids need you more than you need them. So they will usually come to you once they start even able to like kind of like crawl a little bit like around like nine months or so I always would have my kids come to me and it's like a really fun way to greet too as well to teach them that like they they're kind of in in charge of the process of greeting in the morning or after nap time and then once they start to be able to like sit to stand using something they can grab onto the crib and sometimes as patients were or as parents were always in such a rush and so I think this is an easy time where you can just scoop them out and then like be off on your day but maybe even taking like literally a couple extra seconds Mm -hmm. allows baby to come to you. And so that, that lever arm, it's all about lever arms. I used to work actually in a spinal cord injury hospital Mm -hmm. and we, I would watch this lady, um, my clinical advisor throw around like 300 um, pound patients. Like it was no such thing. And she was tinier than me. She was like five, three, like a hundred pounds. What? Wow. (laughs) All about the levers. And I learned so much about body mechanics from even watching her talking to her because again during motherhood there's a lot of physical demand and so we're trying to make it as easy as possible like why would you drive down a bumpy road when you have a paved road so we just want to make the mechanic as good as we can so that we're decreasing those aches and pains our abdominal wall this is something that like okay we care about it later but maybe in when you're not sleeping you could probably care less but the appearance of of our abdominal wall if we get these things mechanically better like those things can be really big factors if our mechanics are good versus bad our brain will like drive and soak up good patterns it loves efficiency but if we show it the easy junky way sometimes they will just use them because that's what's there yeah sure man I mean there's so many parallels to all things in life with what you said (laughs) you know it's like it's all about what you practice is the thing that you do over time and what you practice is what your body becomes accustomed to and and wants Okay, so you were talking about reducing demands on our bodies, and moms have so many demands on them just in general, including energy demands. And so I would love to hear from you. Do you have any tips for just ways that moms can reduce their energy expenditure as they're caring for their kids? Um, Energy conservation techniques. Yes, and I love this topic because... We know with research, when you don't get appropriate sleep, our body is just more predisposed to having injury, um, like everything just not going right. So there's some big energy conservation techniques in the very beginning. Um, So sometimes too, it's delegating different tasks, right? You could have your husband be the one that's in charge of diapers. So instead of you being like, oh, I'm noticing diapers getting low, he could be the one that's always in charge of stocking them, refilling them up. If you're the person that's breastfeeding, bottle feeding, changing them most of the time there's some great things there also cleaning kids are Mm -hmm. messy 
right? So I read like, something in Joanne Gaines' book one time, and I it just like clicked in my head. But she said she had spent hours and hours throughout the day trying to make her house look perfect and clean up after her kids. And she realized that she wasn't even enjoying her children because she was like having to pick up after them. Um, but when she just chilled out at the end of the night, it only took 20, 30 minutes to clean everything up. Now, as we get into toddler age, you obviously want them to help sometimes, but sometimes just realizing that everything doesn't need to look tidy at every single moment of the day. And with people that have type A or they like love a neat house, that's harder to detrain that thought process. But I think that's a huge one. Another one is when you're picking up to use a basket or a bag. And then when you're on the ground picking everything up, you just throw it in the bag and then you go to the bedroom, unload what needs to go into the bedroom. You go into the bathroom. So when I do laundry as well, little kids clothes are so small and cute but like holy cow there's a lot of laundry (laughs) what I personally do is I have these little um things off of Amazon that go in the drawers each one of my kids has I have three kids so each one of them has their own little thing and when I fold them I fold them all and put them in the drawer organizer right where I'm folding the laundry and then I can just take it back to their drawer and then pop it back in the drawer. Oh, um, smart. Is it like yeah. those little foldable things that just like are like drawer inserts kind of thing? Yes. And they're so cheap. They're literally like maybe six bucks off of Amazon. And Marie Kondo, I saw oh, yeah. her <laughs> folding. So everything is stacked vertically. So you can see it all. I found that I bought a lot less kid clothes because I could see all of them doing it that way. I'm the least organized person, so I won't take that advice. But that is one energy conservation technique that I have used. <laughs> Another thing when you're talking about clothes is having a basket for me in their closet made so much sense because kids grow out of things so quickly. So I would just take whatever, if they're going from three months to six months, the three-month stuff, and as they grew out of it, throw it in that basket. Then I can at a later time, take it downstairs into my little cubby where I want to store and do that later. But that little basket was like amazing um, for energy conservation. It is time to run, not walk to your bookstore or have your fingers do whatever is the equivalent of running to the Amazon store. So online to purchase our new book, It's called The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself. It is a labor of love. I'm so excited to deliver this book, baby, to you and to help you really feel like you are winning at parenting without losing yourself, mama. If you want to also check it out at the library, it's there, borrow it from a friend. However, I just want you to get this solid information so you can start thriving, not just surviving in motherhood. You know, super early on when we started the podcast, we had Carla Nomberg on, um, who's the author of um, How to Stop Losing Your Bleep with Your Kids. And um, (laughs) and we talked about that concept of like, her husband would never pick up after the kids when he was hanging out with them. And she would always be so irritated at him. And she would be running around picking up after the kids all day every day and she would be frustrated all day long when she's with her kids and she realized like 
he's actually enjoying his time with our children so much more. And that's absolutely true in my house. The the day that actually I can feel the stress level around cleanliness in our house the most is if we have a house cleaner come and I can feel both my husband and I like trying to maintain it for at least two hours, you know, after they come and clean, like the cleaner leaves and then we're there with our kids and our kids automatically start like throwing their toys. And we're like, no, you know, and um, yeah, I can just see you hanging on her leg as she's leaving. Don't leave me. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, but, but letting go of that being in my mind, like having a perspective of shift of, the reason I'm having the house cleaner come is actually not to make things perfect in my home. It's to do the nitty gritty chores that I don't really want to do every week or will never get to like, you know, cleaning the bathtub or things like that, that like just end up disgusting because I have other things that are always on my list that end up coming before it. And then you have a gross bathtub, but then I end up doing it like at midnight on a Tuesday, you know, because I'm, I'm so burnt out. So making that perspective shift, I think, in terms of your energy output is super. Totally. And I hate cleaning, like hate cleaning. I grew up in a very, we had six kids in our house. And so it was messy and it didn't bother me, but my husband loves neatness. And so at the end of the day, I love learning. So what Mm -hmm. I do is I literally put my little podcast in and listen to you or listen to a different podcast or an audio book. And then it doesn't seem so cumbersome or like I'm like staring at my husband while he's watching YouTube or something on the (laughs) eyes, you know, like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. a little bit more enjoyable. I feel like with putting like AirPods in or something to listen to in your ear has really helped me as well. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's what they talk about actually with multitasking, right? That multitasking in general is a horrible thing to do because we're actually just task switching, like doing one thing and doing the other versus doing it all together. We're less effective and efficient. But when we can do two mindless things at a time, that's like a total win. So if you can passively absorb a podcast or listen to like, like, you know, listen to Dua Lipa, you know, for half an hour and then mindlessly pick up toys or like organize books by all means right that's like such a good use of time <laughs> totally totally yeah how about um how about moms who are breastfeeding still are there specific things you recommend there yes and i think this um in pt we do a lot of joint moves and uh the, when we talk about like wait what's joint moves you're gonna you're gonna tell me what joint moves are <laughs> well it's just like what you would see at a chiropractor you're like cracking people's bones getting joint mobility moves. mobility okay okay <laughs> and so when they teach us that they literally say it's all about the setup everything's about the setup and yeah. i think of breastfeeding the same exact way I'm like a little setup Nazi when it comes to breastfeeding. It will pay off dividends in the long run. My first mm-hmm. kid that I had when I breastfed her, I like would, I uh, like every time she, I knew she needed a feed, I was like, oh my God, not again. My back is burning. Mm-hmm. It is killing me. And one of the things was I was just sloppy with my setup. I wouldn't get like a uh, a breastfeeding pillow. So my mm-hmm. favorite one is, and I don't know if you have a favorite one, but the best friend pillow. 
my best friend. Yeah. yeah, no, I love that one. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. yeah, that attaches in the back. Um, another, I know Boppy just came out with what I would have invented in my mind. They should have done that a while ago, but they just came out with a new great one that has a little bit more support. So first of all, using that, actually using it. So I like to make one breastfeeding area in my house and all the breastfeeding stuff stays in that area so that you're not scrambling or looking for things. So this could be a basket, it could be a cart, um, but also like the haka is there if you need the haka, um, some breastfeeding pads are there, snacks, water for mom, a remote if that's what you're gonna do, um, toys for toddlers on the bottom if that's what, um, if you need to entertain a toddler to give them something quick. Um, so having everything at one station, then using the breastfeeding pillow, whatever side you're breastfeeding on, I like to use a rolled up towel to elevate the baby's head towards that breast, especially for taller moms. Um, and I literally just take a rolled up towel and I tape it with like clear tape or duct tape. And then I just leave it by all the breastfeeding stuff. And again, you're bringing baby to breast then. So you have better positioning um, so that you're not as hunched over. And then the other thing that you want to do is make sure that you're always not looking at baby. The first time I breastfed, I was so paranoid. Like, is the latch good? Are they okay? Are they breathing? Like, most of the time they're okay. <laughs> like, there's so much like that you're like mm -hmm. looking for. Like this is kind of what they do. They know how to do it. So not always looking down at them, especially like with newborns, it can be so darn cute to look at. But that really puts a lot of pressure on the discs in our neck, which can create radicular pain or people that have mom wrist or carpal tunnel. That's mm. also something that can be a contributing factor to, to those aches and pains. Um, so bringing baby up, switching in between to sometimes having your feet flat on the floor and having your feet on an ottoman is helpful. And it doesn't have to be one or the other, but switching in between those, because when we put our feet straight up, our hamstrings lengthen at both sides, which sometimes we want to put a little slack on it. That takes tension off of our low backs. So bending the knees and putting them on the floor sometimes will be helpful for especially those achy low back. And then scooting all the way to the back of the chair. I think a lot of times people don't scoot all the way back. Um, and if you're shorter, just putting a little pillow in there to support your back so that you're fully supported in that position and comfortable. And yeah, relaxing your shoulder. If you look at pictures of people usually breastfeeding, their shoulders are up to Jesus. Jesus does not have <laughs> any more shoulders. Jesus has enough shoulders, especially during the pandemic. I'm sure Jesus has seen more shoulders. Yeah. People putting yeah. their upper, yeah. upper yeah. surface. Yeah. But if you just relax, so once you're finally, once you got the latch, everything set up, um, and just like like doing a body scan almost like, do I have tension in my jaw? Do I have tension in my shoulders? Do I have tension in my neck? You could stretch out your neck a little bit as you're feeding to help with it. Yeah, no, those are, those are great tips. And we see that all the time. And even, you know, in the, in the pediatrician's office, I mean, gosh, we had to advocate a ton for in our lactation rooms to be able to have a step stool. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at home, you should 100% have a setup that works for you. And if you needed to have multiple places in your house that are set up, that's worth the investment. My two places were in my living room and then in my baby's nursery, because in my living room was where, you know, at night I'd be sitting with my husband and scrolling through Netflix and whatnot. Right. And then, you know, in the middle of the night or in the day, I'd be more often upstairs. So 
that is a good investment as well. Totally. And there are little nursing stools, like I'm shorter. So those are really helpful where, or you could even take like a couple of textbooks. You probably have plenty of textbooks from med school. Oh my so, God, too many. I told my husband the other day, cause he has all of his textbooks from PT school. I'm like, when is the last time that you looked at this textbook? But I'm, I'm a purger. My husband is a hoarder. I'm a purger. So, you know, it's like uh, all types, all types. <laughs> it must be a PT problem. I feel like I was like going to cry tears when I had to throw out my notes from PT school. But my husband's like, you've had this file cabinet downstairs. And I was like, haven't you seen the color coordination and the tabs on this thing? Like, right. how could you do this up? I know it's it's because it represents all those labors of love all those nights all those all those nights buddy I hear that okay so I want to um talk about one final topic which is carrying babies you touched on this a tiny bit but it's one place where you say you told me when we were talking about this don't listen to your body which is so counterintuitive you said you know Holding muscles makes us tired, but holding on joints and ligaments is hard on your body. Don't listen to your body. So tell, tell us more about that. What does that mean? Do not listen to your body in that, in that regard. Yeah. And so a lot of times we'll fall into postures that feel really easy. And in that direct mm-hmm. postpartum period, often that is like pushing our ribs really far back because then we're making a shelf for a baby to kind of sit mm-hmm. on the front of us or pushing a hip out to the side. But then you're dumping all your weight into the joints and the ligaments. And once you peeve those off, those are harder to get calmed down. But what really it takes is having some muscle strength and endurance to get into these better postures so that we're not putting our body in these weird positions. Because again, it can lead to a lot of problems that we wouldn't think like, okay, if I just stick my hip out and do this like a couple hundred times, you don't realize how many times you're doing it. We did a reel though, it was kind of funny where we had the baby and holding it. it doesn't look so weird, but you take the baby away and you're like, oh my God, that looks like that hurts your back or, you know, the hips out to the side and we took the baby away and it's like, no wonder your back hurts. So yes. we tend to fall into these postures because the joints and the ligaments will just hold us up. That's a structure that will can hold us. But what's a better way to do it is the muscles. You're not going to have as much wear and tear um, and all the like diastasis recti prolapse, um, hernias, all these things that you wouldn't think of are created by everyday pressures. A lot of times with my like, quote unquote, prolapse or bigger patients, like as far as big problems, it's going back to the basics, literally going back to what we're talking about in this podcast, stacking your ribs over your hips, um, making sure that you have arm strength to be able to carry babies around. I'm sure when you've had your kids out and about, even the carriers take a a large amount of strength to strap the baby onto your chest. When you're Mm -hmm. in with the carrier, again, you don't want to like lean back and shelf for a baby to be on. You want baby to be as centered on your body as possible. We want to have some movement in the carrier. I think about as like Madonna boobs, those pointy boobs in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Driving her the Madonna boobs from 11 o'clock 
o'clock, 11 o'clock. So there's some movement in your thoracic spine so that we can take some pressure off of the shoulders and all the pressure that goes downward. Or, you know, where you see that like little mom pooch at the bottom, like below the belly button, that area that always gets kinked up. A lot of times that's an area that hasn't got reactivated because you're not breathing from the bottom up or we're Mm -hmm. always shoving our weight back. And then our lower abs stand no chance. Muscles love a good length tension relationship. They have to be in a good spot to work efficiently. And so when we get into these poor postures, we don't even allow the muscle to be able to do its thing if it wanted to sometimes. So we need to make sure that, again, we're not falling into those or two. I'm sure you hear it all the time because your husband's a PT. But even if your husband wasn't a PT, having your partner say, hey, babe, like, uh, you're like doing that thing again, where you're like shoving your ribs back or you're putting one hip out. Like you, you just have to retrain your brain, which takes a little bit of effort sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and maybe tell your partner that you are asking, you're giving them permission to, to instruct you, right? To say, okay, buddy, I don't want instruction on every single thing, but on this, I know it's going to help me. I'm in it for the long run. Um, yeah, because you're right. The, the things that you do. Eight o'clock, don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. to let me know about changes I need to make. And then at 8 p.m., you're off. Switch goes off. Yeah. Um, okay, so I know that there are moms out there who are listening to this, wishing that maybe they had done things a little bit differently when their babies were little or who have little babies now and would love more information on how to either prevent problems or to address the problems or identify the problems that that they might be having and posture problems or otherwise. So tell me, expecting and empowered, I mean, amazing. I love Instagram because you can get these like bite-sized chunks of info from experts now, which is really cool, especially with reels. But you also have programs that you do. Yeah, so we do pregnancy and postpartum programs, which are exercise programs. You get three strength and resistance training programs or three workouts per week, which include flexibility, pelvic floor and core restoration section, and then also the resistance training. And so then those programs are built out to do exactly what we're talking about in that last piece with the muscles so that you have the endurance. I can tell you that my like upper back pain by doing the upper body days is substantially different than because the the program wasn't invented until my second and third kids. And it's like night and day, it literally just helps your body be able to deal with some of the physical stuff that we have to deal with in motherhood, it helps prep for labor and delivery, and then slowly builds you back up in that postpartum period, that period is like no other in pregnancy. So there's a section for vaginal and cesarean section bursts in there. Um, But again, just reactivating that core so you don't have to think about it because you don't have time to think about it um, after baby. And uh, um, for your listeners too, we have a discount that's MM podcast for 15% off. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And for, you know, check that out. And then also just go see all of their stuff that's for free so you guys can get a sense because you're, all of your reels are, are you have funny stuff in there and you have very informational things. I agree. I saw that reel that you're talking about with the like, this is how you're standing with your baby and then let's remove baby. And wow, that looks really weird. And 
that is a different way of thinking about it. I think that we hardly ever think of things in that way. I, I always think about it like, oh, well, of course, if I didn't have my baby, I wouldn't stand this way. But thing is, I'm holding my baby quite a bit. So my body is being trained that way the vast majority of the day. Yes, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of stuff on on your body. And so to get back to the things that you like doing, um, these small things can add up quite greatly. Hey, Mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Dog. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.